0: This is ESPN New York tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Along with Tom Bauer and Jake the Snake, we're here until midnight. Then it's Fred and Fitz on 98.7 ESPN in
0: New York. Hey Gordon, what's up? Larry, how are we feeling, my friend? I'm okay, Gordon. Why is that why so somber? I'm okay. Oh, that's oh, <laughs> oh yes. Now now it, it, it's it's rung about – Well, it, look, they're saying it's it's a it's an abundance of caution that he played catch on Monday and Tuesday. There's no there's no reason to be concerned, Larry. So Gordon, what have I said forever ever in I, the day? And look, this is why I'm not mentioning the former two time Cy Young, best pitcher on the planet who's not pitched in over a year's name. I'm just referring to him because it, it you know, we're kind of mind melding, like I do with Aaron Boone once in a yes, while. Yes, yes. So there's no need for. I'm not, you know, I don't want to put you in a bad mood to start the show, so I will not mention his name until he's back in a major league mound. And what this latest story shows you is even when he's back in a major league mound, you're still going to be kind of holding your breath, but I understand why you're a little.
1: I may mean, not be mentioned. I may mean, not be mentioning his name for a while.
0: <laughs> well, I'm I would saying, think. Gordon, I just,
1: Gordon, God I can't help it. I just, it's. It, I know it's me. I know I'm not a doctor, nor do I play one on the radio, TV, or in my house. But it, it, I just don't think it's healthy for a guy coming off his shoulder to be throwing over 100 miles an hour all the time. I just don't think it's the right thing to do. I understand you have to show that you can do it, but every single time, Gordon, that he comes in with just 100, 101 miles an hour, what happens? Well, we've had a setback. Well, we've had a well, an abundance of caution. Who could have seen
0: that the, coming? Oh, Larry, Larry Hardesty Duh. saw it
1: coming. <laughs> Again. I mean, it's a year. Yeah. I mean, yesterday, Gordon, yesterday was as frustrating a day. I felt for you after, in a way because Aaron Judge answered Marley Rivera's oh question that everybody's been talking about answered her question in a generic way that people have said he's leaving town. <laughs> okay. And then the Grom. I'm just like, oh, that guy we're talking football with Jordan Run on at 10 30.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, the Aaron judge handled that. I have not seen a question handled that poorly since when, remember when uh, Garrett Cole <laughs> was asked about using spider tack and he, yes, <laughs> yeah. blah, 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 blah. he basically yeah. melted down under the spotlight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think judge was expecting that question like not. that. And that was, uh, I guess Marley Rivera has a very good relationship with Aaron judge because if, if someone that he did not have a good relationship asked him that pointed a question in that spot, I would think that uh, that reporter would be uh, getting read the riot act by people within the Yankee organization. And you know
1: what? It's unusual because he normally is exemplary at answering questions. He normally does, Gordon. He has been you, uh, uh, with this concern. He has done as good a job as anybody you can think of, in being consistent with a very tough question about you know free agency yeah. in the middle of a, of a exemplary season that he's having, the team is having, and it's the one thing that j- just won't go away.
0: Yeah, uh, and talk about being put on the spot. You know, A little Ooh. boy is at home thinking Aaron Judge won't be on this team. Now, I, look, I think it's a tough question. I think he could have probably handled it better. He probably should have never let his guard down even in an event like that. Uh, I think that's the lesson to take away from it. Anybody who thinks that that answer had anything to actually do with his future – I think, is just fooling themselves. It's going to depend on what the Yankee offer is, what the other offers from other teams are. Mm -hmm. And if the Yankees have the best offer, well, then he'll definitely be back with the Yankees, I would think. If the Yankees have close to the best offer, that's where we'll have to kind of figure out. And it almost kind of... I was thinking about this over the last couple of days. If you're the Nationals, I know the perception is, is they're going to trade Juan Soto before the trade deadline. Why in the world would you do that when the Yankees might be in the market, maybe the Yankees don't want to really get full bore into that market right now because mm-hmm. they have this contract situation with Judge. But mm-hmm. if you're the Nationals, why would you almost eliminate one team from contention who's obviously willing to pay you know, through the nose if they were to lose Aaron Judge? Why would you limit them? And limit your competition for this great player by trading him before that team might be ready to go all in on a player like Soto. I I just kind of feel like this is going to be something that's going to go past the deadline. Even though the people that are in the know, the buster only's of the world, say that they're looking to move him before then.
1: Yeah, because, and I don't know why they think they would. I mean, because if, I mean, if there's no rush, if you're Washington, no,
0: there's no rush. He's not like he's up next year. (laughs) <laughs> right, know, and, and who knows? May- maybe if you give yourself more time, if you're the Nationals, maybe you can bridge the gap. I don't know. Yes. Like, I think that that would be what they would want to do. Probably most of all is to keep him there. But yeah, it does seem like that that's what the reporting is that by the trade deadline he'll be moved. I would, I, I, I just from past experience and just the past Nationals contract stuff with with Bryce Harper and, and those type mm. of moves, I'd be surprised if something came together here in the next two weeks.
1: That's it's a lot because it's a
0: lot. You better because, be right. You better, yeah. be, you better be right that you're not going to be able to get a better offer down the road. And
1: the other thing is what limits you is the team that he goes to. I know all the conversations about renting him for a couple of seasons and stuff like that. You're not trying to rent him. If you're trading half of your organization to get him, you're trying to make him a long-term – you're trying to make him the face of your franchise going forward. And the longer you wait, the better the opportunity is that you will find somebody who will take that chance. And give the face of their franchise. And you're right. If this is a scenario, and remember, we talked about it last week, Gordon, and I said, if the Yankees are not sure what Aaron Judge is going to say and they know how this negotiation is gone, they need to be readying their situation to try to Absolutely. make a move. Because Absolutely. it Because they know. They know yep. what's they going on. They, they,
0: they should have the best read on the situation. Absolutely. So so that alone, as you mentioned, to say, huh,
1: we could get Aaron Judge? Right. I mean, like – but then maybe the Yankees... they wouldn't want him, Gordon, because they'd have to sign him. So maybe they wouldn't want him either.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. For the Yankees, I feel like that's the everything lines up in, in terms of going and pursuing this player. Because if you have Judge back, okay, you get Judge back and you sign him to a contract, and obviously it's going to be a lot of money. Again, you don't have to sign Soto to a long-term deal immediately. You can you can kind of hold off and say, "Look, when the time comes, like Aaron Judge, we will take care of you." But we got two more years of arbitration, blah blah blah, all those type of things, and you can work it out that way. And then if you lose Judge, well, I mean, it's terrible that you lose this player that you didn't want to lose, but this is a pretty good replacement right here. So yeah, it's very I good. It just seems like uh, I know that that doesn't seem like from the the people in the know that the Yankees are the front runners on this or anything like that, but. Uh, they should be. I, I can I can tell you that much right now. They absolutely should be.
1: Oh, there's no question. They should be the front runners. They should be. And um, maybe they are, Gordon.
0: <laughs> we don't know. Well, I will say this. When Brian Cashman makes his moves, it's, you know, the, the, the Garrett Cole one we kind of saw because that was like his white whale. He's been chasing yeah. Garrett Cole for forever. But usually he yeah. moves in silence. So who knows? Maybe all Stealth. of a sudden we'll wake up tomorrow and there'll be big news.
1: Stealth Cashman. Yes. <laughs>
0: That's what he does.
1: And speaking of tomorrow, Gordon, boy, you guys get right back on the horse, huh? Coming out of the All
0: Star break, a doubleheader with the Stros. <laughs> you gotta wow, love, gotta love the baseball <laughs> schedule, huh? You gotta, you gotta uh-huh. love the baseball schedule, boy. It's uh, doing a great job, doing a great job. So, look, I guess this is the result of kind of the the whole lockout thing. Yes. That you have to make up these games at some point, so uh let's let's get right back on the horse uh, that's it. for as a fan i love it because these three days i hate i hate i, I think most yeah. fans kind of hate you know the home run derby's nice it's fun i like the all-star game to me it's the best of the all-star games of any sport uh, i actually watch this one uh maybe not start to finish but certainly more so than the pro bowl or the nba all-star game I'm not even sure if the hockey do have a if they have an all star game. I'm not really all that focused on. But uh, I love the baseball all star game. But I hate the all star break. I hate not oh. having baseball. It's the beauty of baseball. It's there every single day, basically. So
1: yeah, let's
0: get right back to it.
1: Well, you will. You guys will. And you're coming right out with a nice test and a double header. Uh, Gordon, this is this 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 is important. This is important. It's the start of the second half, and you guys really want to make sure your goal is. Obviously, we know what your goal is. Your number one goal is to have home field throughout. And beating this team will help you to
0: ensure that you will have
1: home field throughout. Because you've beaten everybody else, Gordon.
0: Well, I will say this. If the Yankees lose both games, uh, I am fairly confident that Twitter will have written off the season. And I can say that with some level of confidence. Because when they lost four or five here before before those two wins against the Red Sox... Everybody had already cashed in the chips on the seat. The season was already eliminated. Yankees were the first team to be eliminated from the postseason with a 12 game lead in their division. So, uh, (laughs) the the gloom and doom, I'm sure will be back right away. And maybe I will be regretting wanting the baseball season back if the Yankees lose both games.
1: Well, I will say this. I got a tweet, uh, from my nephew, uh, you know, um, and he made the statement and it was a couple of days ago and I didn't mention it, but I'm going to mention it to you when we return and I want to get your reaction. Hey Gordon, before I ask you ask you this question, we got to take a minute because uh, with the SPs on, we've been around this station a long time, my friend, and this is always a very important day where we ask folks to donate to the V foundation for cancer research. And Gordon, I dare say that, and I've done, had a lot of conversations over the years, as you have, with members of the V Foundation and various doctors and folks who are, you know, helping us find this battle with cancer. And Gordon, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged to say that there have been some, some improvements, right? There, there's been some, some things that you can see tangible improvement, tangible ways that you can see that we're getting closer to beating this this disease that we call cancer, the, especially with men and prostate cancer, you, you have ways to, it, it's not a, it, it's not terminal immediately as long as you go to your doctor early and get your PSA tests and, and, and do the things that you need to do. And there's so many different options now so that to hear it, yes, there you have a fight, but it's not an endless loss. And, You know, just to to go back and hearing the various interviews all day here on the station, Gordon, it's just a reminder that, uh, and I know it's touched a number of folks. I've spoken with people, God, Gordon, the the, the caregivers and people who survived and people who listened to interviews who went out and checked themselves to make sure and, and find out where they stood and found out that they did have the disease, but because they listened because of some interviews or some words that we had or playing that those interviews over the years, be it Jim Favano, be it Stuart Scott, um, you know uh, be it whomever it is that, that that has that has spoken about it, over the years that people have found ways to find out that they have the disease and get cured early and have a very, very, very high rate of beating that disease. Yeah, so on it this feels day like we're getting uh,
0: you know, as you said, it feels like we're getting closer to it. Right? Yeah. I mean, it feels like the treatment is is certainly far better than it was twenty years ago, thirty years ago. And you know, there's been a bunch of things here in the last five, ten years that have been truly amazing. The growth, of, you know, like that we've seen in our lifetime, right? Like yeah. the growth of the internet or you know, private space travel and all you know, like all these crazy things, man. If there's ever a time that we can get to that we can actually say that we have cured cancer, oh man! I mean that would be that would be bigger than anything, right? That no would question. be bigger than anything that has happened in our lifetime to this point. So hopefully it is uh, it's not that far off.
1: You're right. You're right. Just just been talking about prostate cancer going with Cyberknife, nobody knew what we were Absolutely. talking about right. twenty no, years of course, ago. Right. Yeah. What was that? You know. So v. dot org backslash donate. Please help. Please help us in the name of Jim Valvan and all the great work of all the doctors and. And just all the people who are working hard to find a cure for this disease. V.org backslash donate. Hardesty and Damer on 98.7 ESPN. So, Gordon, uh, my nephew, Jay Blaze, tweeted this statement. I want I want you to react. All right. He loves the Yankees, but he fears that Yankees Houston is like Knicks Bulls of the 90s. That you, you have a great team. Knicks have a great team. But there's something about Houston that they won't be able, the Yankees won't be able to
0: beat, just the way it was something about Chicago that the Knicks were not able to overcome. Well, that's the concern, right? I mean, t- to keep it at least in this sport, like this this Yankee team, they could have as many wins as the 98 Yankees, and we've done a lot of comparisons to the 98 Yankees with this group because of just how often they've won games, what the record has been. It's kind of matched up pretty much throughout the, the first half of the season. But the concern is if you don't pay it off with a World Series title, you won't be getting compared to the the 98 Yankees. You'll be getting compared to the 2001 Mariners, who won 116 games. But at that time, they couldn't get over the dominant team, which was the Yankees. You know, the Yankees were still during that. Now, they didn't win in 2001, obviously. But, uh, you know, they were still on that dominant run. And they were the team that you had to get past. And and the Mariners were not able to get past them then. And the Mariners have not been back to the playoffs since. So yeah, I mean, there's a definite concern that this Yankee team. Now, the difference I think is that the as, as good as the Astros are right now, they're not as dominant as that Yankee team was. The Astros only have the one World Series, so. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it doesn't take uh, the greatest imagination in the world to see that the Yankees are going to have to take care of their business against the Astros at some point in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, they are, and I got to be honest with you, Gordon. I- I think this is their best chance to do it. I think this team is uh and I'm sure that they're gonna make some changes, but I think really the way this team has played in the first half, I think they have this is the best team competitively versatilely, as I make up my own word, uh that, that can beat this that can beat this Astros team.
0: Yeah, I mean, I look what the Astros have done this year. Maybe it's the most amazing because, you know, they lose Correa, they lose this one, they lose guys every single year and yet they keep winning. And they're as great as the Yankees have been. What are the Astros 3 or 4 games behind? I mean, they're not far behind the Yankees pace. So, um, yeah, they they've done an amazing job and and until you beat them, that's the team you got to beat, right? Like you got to yeah. get past them and it just seems very hard to believe that the Yankees won't have to take care of business that way because It's almost certain that the Yankees and the Astros will be the top two teams. They'll get the buys of the first round. They'll play a series against teams and then they'll face off against each other. So, yeah, I mean, it's not um, it's uh, it's daunting as a Yankee fan. You kind of know that that's the team you're going to have to get through uh, to get to the World Series again. And
1: there's always they lose folks, but there's always a couple of guys that they keep, Gordon, right? (laughs) Verlander you know, there's always a couple it's amazing of
0: amazing how it's amazing how he has been able to just pick right up where he, he left it off. Is. I mean, to miss that amount of, that amount of time um, to come right back and be firing away like he is this year. It is truly incredible. And he is a, you know, he's a hall of famer. Uh, yeah, he is. No question.
1: He really is. He really is. And Gordon, that's the, that's the uh, Yankee side of it for the Mets. Listen, uh, once again, we know as the trade deadline comes forth, they need another bat, maybe two, to get in that lineup, to add a little depth there, to add a little power. The DH spot is not really produced the way they thought it was going to produce because they felt really that Dom Smith was going to continue to con- to play well and, and be successful and hit, and hit for average, give you a little power, and then you could put him at first and put Alonzo in the DH or flip-flop back and forth, and that just hasn't been the case. And so they're looking for some folks, some some thump, From that DH position. So that's one of the things they need. I still think they need another arm in the bullpen. Or maybe two. Uh, But you know. And the other thing I know is that Atlanta's not going away. So this is going to be a Met team. That is really going to have to survive. And Buck Showalter is going to really have to earn his salary. Gordon as we get down the stretch here. Because for some of these players. Who were here before. You just hope on the outside. I just hope that the tape doesn't begin to play. You know what I mean? Where. Mm okay, they're still here. (laughs) We get close. They're still here. And I was really encouraged by the fact that they were able to survive with the injuries they had. They were able to survive the series in Atlanta to at least come out and still be in first place. That was encouraging to me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, th- that's the story of the first half, is that it's not just that the Mets are are, are in first place. It's that they're in first place without the two-headed monster that you uh, envisioned going into the season of DeGrom and Scherzer. Now, Scherzer's giving you something. Uh, DeGrom is not giving you anything. But the fact that the Mets have been able to do this without either of them, and you would think, right? I mean, again, it doesn't really – you don't have to be Bill James to think, well, if we get Jacob DeGrom back, even as good as we've been – we are going to be better. So that uh, the, for the Mets, it feels like there's still a lot to be decided in terms of what a fair expectation is on the season because you have the DeGrom question, which is out there and is going to be out there until he gets back and even once he's returned. But then you mentioned, right, like they definitely have to make some changes and there's an expectation that they will add. They will be aggressive buyers at the trade deadline. Bullpen, at least one piece there. Another bat for the for the lineup as the DH. So uh, until you get to see what those pieces are, to me it's a little uh, it's a little ambiguous. Of oh, okay, what's my expectation for this Mets team until I know what those pieces are?
1: Well, Gordon, for me, my expectations for this team is still they got to get to the postseason. I mean, I mean, oh you know,
0: yeah, you, they'll definitely do that.
1: For you to have a ten and a half, and and I got to be honest with you, it would be a disappointment if they don't if they don't win the division. We had a 10 and a half game league Gordon I respect Atlanta yeah. I really do but for you to have for you to be playing the way you were without those two guys and for you to you know to to not finish in first place listen of course I want to make the postseason I'll be happy with them making the postseason. but I got to tell you it's going to take a little bit away from me it, it just will.
0: Yeah, I mean, because it certainly seems like whoever wins the National League East is going to be either one or two, so you would get a bye in the first round as well. So, yeah, I mean, that's why you want to win the division. Now, if you were to somehow lose the division race but yet outlast the Braves in the postseason, uh, I guess that would take this thing away. It always depends on how things end. But, no, absolutely. If you do not – if the Mets don't hold on and win the National League East just without knowing how it actually ends – that will. Yeah, absolutely. That's a major disappointment to have a 10 and game lead at any point in the season and to let that slip away. I don't care if it's the Braves. I don't care what team it is. That is a major disappointment.
1: He's never a disappointment. He's Jordan run He'll join us next on 987 ESPN. Take a little time out from talking baseball because it's right around the corner next week. Jordan, run on, and the rest of our NFL nation of writers will be covering teams and going to training camp in the beginning of a long season. Jordan joins Gordon and I here on 98.7 eight seven ESPN. Hey, Jordan, what's happening?
2: What's going on, fellas? I heard the little uh, promo right there. I'm just basically getting ripped on.
0: Well, you made the promo though. That's better than Larry and I can do a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: right. We're not There's allowed no to bad those. attention,
0: Jordan. There's no bad attention.
1: Oh,
2: okay. Oh, publicity is good publicity. No, That's right.
0: Absolutely. That's right. And besides, okay. listen,
1: you're used to people being no, mad I'll at you. I, that. You're used to people being mad at you. I hear your questions during the week.
2: <laughs> that is true. <laughs> it's, it's very natural. This is a very natural feeling, natural space for myself. You're right. Jordan, you what... Me off the ledge
1: here. Uh, there's no question. No, listen, stop. You're okay. You know you're well. Uh, Jordan, what are the, the, the top three things that uh, Brian Dabo has got to find out about this team in training camp before he starts the season in September?
2: Man, he's got to find out, first of all, if they could stay healthy. I mean, how healthy is this team? That was a problem last year. That's uh, something we saw in the spring. We, you know, we, this Giants team is not deep enough to sustain uh, injuries and having some of their top players and playmakers in particular, not being on the field. So, that's number one when they show up. Okay, can we get these guys on the field? Uh, number two is, like, what do they have, right? You have to remember, he hasn't put a full team on the field. And they're when, when they took over, Brian Dable and Joe Shane said they're starting from scratch. Okay? So, to me, and, and Joe Shane, I, when I spoke to him earlier this week, he said, you know, we did what we could with the money that we had. So, I think... They know they're not a finished product, that this is a work in progress. So let's kind of see what we have here. And also, you know, let's get Daniel Jones in live situations and see what we really have in this quarterback because that's a huge position uh, and situation to watch for the Giants this summer and this season in particular because they have to decide, okay, what, you know, what do we have in Daniel Jones? with his lack of success, how much of it was what was around him and the situation that he was in, and is he somebody we can move forward with, or do we have to solve that position? Because it's the most important position in football, and the Giants are kind of in no-man's land right now.
0: Yeah, and I wanted to get to the coaching. I mean, how much do you expect that the offense will look different from day one now with what you, you know, I think everybody's hoping a, a more legitimate uh, offensive-minded coach running the show. Is it the type of thing where mm-hmm. you expect day one it's going to look different, or is this just going to be a work in progress?
2: Let me tell you this story. So I remember, so I came in and started covering the Giants in 2013, right? And I came, they were 0-6 already. They found that they won the first week I was there. It was Monday night, or the Josh Freeman game, if you remember that. Yeah, sure. So we, so that the season was a disaster, though. Eli threw, I believe it was 27, 28 interceptions that year. Think about that. He threw close to 30 interceptions. It was an awful season. Next year, you know, they they get rid of Kevin Gilbride. They bring in Ben McAdoo, right? And you're talking about Eli Manning, who at this point already has two Super Bowls, two Super Bowl MVPs, a real great track record. And that first summer in training camp, that offense was a mess because they were installing a new offense. He was learning... Uh, new scheme, and, you know, he was throwing multiple interceptions a day, basically, at practice. I mean, left and right interceptions. He, he looked really bad. Ended up having a pretty good year. Actually, in 2015 and 2016, Eli had very, you know, a sort of bounce-back renaissance seasons, two really good seasons, and statistically two of his best seasons of his career. But early on, it was a real struggle, right? Training camp, I mean, they looked like they didn't know what they were doing. So I'm expecting some of those growing pains this summer with Daniel Jones in this offense as well, especially when you think about it. He was playing in the spring without, you name the playmaker, and he basically wasn't playing if his name wasn't Saquon Barkley. So I think it might be a little rocky early on, and patience is going to be the key here. And we'll see how it kind of evolves and at least give him into, into like the midway point of the season to see, okay, where are we at now? Okay, because even like week one, week two, or really early in the season, it, it could be, you know, still them getting used to the new scheme.
1: Jordan, it's gonna be interesting because what what do we talk what do we always talk about when we talk about the Giants offense? The offensive line, oh, what's yeah. gonna happen with Saquon Barkley and these receivers. Okay, will they be will they be able to keep these receivers, as you mentioned, healthy? So all that considered, I mean In a year that you really need to find out about your quarterback, Jordan, does this team have the potential of being able to score some points in the red zone? Because they've been brutal in the red zone these past couple of seasons.
2: Yeah, I think what you have to bank on here is that the offensive line is improved, right? And it should be, Larry. I mean, but, you know, I know we're all hesitant because we're like, man. This is, uh, I keep making the joke, and I just keep extending it, right? Year nine of the offensive line rebuild we're in right now, right? Year nine or ten. Just, yeah. just keep adding a year to it every year. But, yeah, I mean, that's, it's all contingent on that. But they did. Let's think about it. They drafted an offensive tackle, the right tackle, Evan Neal, with the seventh overall pick, all right? So, if you have Evan Neal, and he's a quality player, now, granted, Rookie tackles sometimes struggle, so to have him come in and be a Pro Bowl, all Pro player, probably year one, probably not realistic. But if he could hold his own and be a, an average, above average player this year, and you have Andrew Thomas on the right, on the left side, and he continues ascending as he did last year, at least now you have two tackles, bookend tackles that you know can play in this league and and protect Daniel Jones, right? So I think that's really a big start for the Giants and if they could get that and then look, they signed Mark Lewinsky, he's a guy who's proven he could start in this league. Uh John Feliciano's a the guy they're hoping can step in at center and then left guard is kind of a little bit of a crapshoot, but if they could just get serviceable play in there, I mean Larry, the bar is low, right? the bar is not high. We're just we're not even looking. we're not even looking for like, okay, can this offensive line dominate, right? If they're half-decent, if they're average, you tell me, you guys tell me, aren't we going to be like, oh, my God, they're so much better? Like, you know, because the the bar is so low. All they have to do is be decent, and the offense, I think, will be able to score some points and look much more functionable, competent, whatever whatever word you want to use there.
0: We're talking with Jordan Duran on here on 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Uh, you mentioned it before, Jordan, about the, the health, right? Like if they could just get healthy and stay healthy during the course of the season, that would go a long way. Uh, with Saquon Barkley, I, just judging him from afar, it almost seems like that he's kind of had a different tone or a different edge to him personally uh, as he's gone into this training camp. Like he's always seemed like a focused guy before, in dealing with him in the, in the times that you have, have you noticed anything different about him? Because this has been, you know, obviously it's a very big season for him. I'm sure he probably w- wanted to have the long-term contract yeah. already taken care of and stuff. Has there been a different edge to him? Because I just go back to when he was talking about um, something along the lines of, you know, if you're, if you're on the other side, stay on the other side because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove it this year. Has there been a different edge mm-hmm. to him so far?
2: I think so. I think I, you've seen a different take. And really, you saw it last year. He just wasn't able to stay on the field and be healthy and really play like himself. But you saw the fact that for the first time in his life, and I, I noticed this last year and now continues this up, for the first time in his life, really, right, or at least since he got to Penn State, people are doubting him, right? He didn't have this, right? He came into the league, blew it up right away, Everybody knew he was a great player, and it was just a matter of being healthy. But now people are doubting. Now people are telling him, "Oh, you're not good. You're not that good." Did, like you, you think he didn't see that quote? That uh, and I know he saw that quote. That he he doesn't know how to play running back <laughs> in, in one of the ESPN by one of the executives, or and it was actually an offensive line coach, I believe. Right? It was an offensive line coach uh, in, the ES, in the ESPN article yeah. about. You know, he he wasn't in the top ten running backs. He sees all these things. So, yeah, I do think I see it. I I view it as almost like I think it's like he's looking at it as, all right, this is the Saquon Barkley redemption season. I'm going to prove all of you wrong. Right? All of you that are doubting me. That's what he said. And then, look, trust me, I'm one of those people that he's looking at when he says that and (laughs) he's giving the debts there. Trust me on this one uh you stay on the other side of the table when i turn it around that's kind of been his mo and he said it now multiple times and i really think that that's kind of the approach that he has come to the season because let's be honest guys this season is gonna dictate the direction that saquon barkley's career and financial future right going i mean if he has any chance of getting a big and look trust me he's fine he's gonna make money he's very marketable he's He's very good with uh, his his image and marketing, but if he's going to get that uh, the big money from football, this is it. This is the only, This is the opportunity, right? This is there's no there's no turn. This is no other years. There's no oh wait you know I have a few more years to get it right. No no, if he's a he's a running back, if he doesn't get it right this year and have a big year this year, that big deal is not coming ever.
1: Hey, Jordan, let's look at the division. Uh, you've got, of course, you got Philly in there. You've got Dallas, obviously. Uh, you got Washington. How does this division shape up this year? I know a lot of questions at quarterback down in Philadelphia. Dallas always asks questions. Is that good? Is he not good? What's the story with him? And then with Washington, listen, if they can get out of their way with all their front office issues, maybe they can do something on the field. Yeah.
2: I think it's an improved division. I don't know what you guys think. I think, it, I think the, the other three teams, I think the Giants are still in a rebuild. You know, it might take a little little time. They might be – they should be improved, but it's going to take them. I think the other three teams are pretty good teams. Like, their roster – I like Washington's roster, to be honest with you. Now, I don't love the quarterback situation. But around that, I mean, they've developed some and built up some nice weapons on that offense. You know, I like Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin. Uh, They drafted – a bunch of, you know, uh, some wide and added some wide receiver help. Uh, they've been pretty good at tight end the last couple of years. I mean, they have some weapons. They add another running back. So I think, and, and that defensive front, if they're healthy, is really good. They have two, really, they could have two high-end pass rushers. And that's really hard to get in this league. So I think they're good. The Eagles, they added A.J. Brown. Uh, they're really a pretty complete team. Again, have that quarterback question. Same with Washington. You know, is their quarterback enough? But I don't think either of those teams, barring, you know, uh, just a barrage of injuries are going to be bad. And then the Cowboys, you know, they might be a little, getting a little weaker on the offensive line and uh, had to get rid of uh, Amari Cooper and couldn't keep him because of money. Uh, they didn't have enough you know money to keep him. Uh, but that's still a very talented team. So I think the NFC East is trending upwards. I think, it, I think it's a much better division, and I think it's going to be very competitive. Now, what they all have working for them, is that when you look at, okay, easiest schedules in the league, the all four NFC East teams are basically up at the top. So I think, I think it's very possible that two, maybe three NFC East teams can get into the playoffs this year because of the schedule and the way everything shapes up and the, and the talent on some of these rosters.
0: Jordan, who do you have more confidence in being with the Giants beyond this season, Daniel Jones oh. or Saquon Barkley?
2: I have to say Saquon, I guess, because I've seen him play at a dominant level, right? Like, I know that it's there. I haven't really – like, I saw it in games from Daniel Jones, but I haven't I – got to see it more. But, I mean, look, you know the interesting part about the Giants is you name the player, right? Name the player. Like, go down the list. You can go from Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Leonard Williams – um i mean just go blake martinez go on and on and on none of those guys that i just named are guaranteed to be on the team next year they're all in a wait and see mode all those guys i mean you name any relevant prominent player on the giants that wasn't drafted in like the last two years and they're sort of in uh, a tryout year right you're only going to be on the team if you play well this year and both those guys you named daniel jones and Saquon Barkley are in that group and at the top of the list.
1: It should be an interesting season, my friend. We'll uh, be chatting with you throughout, starting with uh, you know, a little, a little training camp action. So, Jordan, keep up the great work. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it, guys. Have a great show. Thanks, Jordan. Jordan runoff joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Gordon, he is right. I'm looking at the Giants' schedule. Gordon, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Tennessee stuff, they got... First at Tennessee, right? Then home from home for Carolina, home for Dallas, home for Chicago, home for Green Bay, home for Baltimore. I mean,
0: that's that's as tough as the East is (laughs) it's as tough as the NFC as they get. Yeah, I mean the biggest problem is the you know the 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 Giants are who they are. You know, yeah, what I mean? exactly. it's almost it it's doesn't true. matter who the other team is if you yeah. if you're not better. And uh, he's right, man. There's a there's a The one good thing about the Giants and to me, the Giants this year are kind of where the Jets were last year in that mm-hmm. they're still this year. It doesn't really. I don't really have any expectations this year uh, because there's, they, they basically got the you know the new regime is still undoing the the work of the previous regime. So to me, this year. Is almost like a honeymoon period, but um, uh, they have a ton of guys who have to prove something, right? Daniel Jones has got to prove something. Saquon Barkley has got to prove something. Kelly Galladay has got to prove something. I mean, basically everything on offense, they got to prove something. So we'll see if uh, the new coaching staff and the new regime, certainly you're hoping that they can get more out of what they got than the previous regime did.
1: Yeah, it's funny. You're right. You don't have expectations for the team. But there's a bunch of individual players. You got a lot of expectations for, and one of them is. Let's face it, Gordon.
0: One of them is Daniel Jones. Oh, no. Okay. Po- I mean that's where it starts, right? That's yeah, the first. No if doubt. you were writing a book about the Giants in 2022, the first chapter would be about Daniel Jones because he's the most important part. Like, do you have? Do you have your franchise quarterback? And if you don't, well, it certainly seems like the Giants are on on the verge of uh, of a down season anyway. So that means that if this doesn't work this year, they're going to be in the market next year.
1: Well, you know, I hear uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's on the trading deadline. Trading. Yeah,
0: deadline. but like, what does that do for you? Like, uh, to me, this is that's why it's almost like a nice thing that you could This regime has no ties to any of these guys. Mm-hmm. So for Daniel Jones, it feels like to me the last regime, especially and even Shermer to a certain degree. The turnovers were such an issue with Daniel Jones that they realized, you know what? Until we get that fixed, we're never going to do anything. So, it, But it led to this conservative approach on offense where you weren't willing to take any chances because you were so petrified that Daniel Jones was either going to turn the ball over with a fumble, with an interception, a bad play. Um, so it, it led to this just conservative approach, and that didn't do anything either. I mean, the offense has been just absolutely dreadful the last two years. So with Brian Dable being apparently this offensive kind of guru, genius, whatever you want to call him, he can go into the season saying, you know what, we're not going to shelter Daniel Jones. We're going to throw everything at him to see really where he's at. If he goes back to being the guy that turns the ball over two times, three times a game, well, then we know we don't have our guy. And if it turns out that, you know what, we can throw a lot of stuff at him and he can hold his own, well, then maybe you have something here.
1: We'll find out, right? We'll also hear from Ryan Clark. He was on NFL Live, Gordon, and he weighs in on the Garoppolo trade rumors. We'll do that next on 98.7 ESPN. (laughs)
0: If Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy, then I think there are a lot of teams that are vying for his services. But right now, at this point, when all of the seats, as Booger says, has been filled, I just think it's very difficult to find a spot for him, especially with teams knowing, okay, will the San Francisco or thinking, will the San Francisco 49ers go into camp, presumably with their starter Trey Lance and still keep Jimmy Garoppolo? I think. The only team I can think of that Jimmy Garoppolo gets an opportunity to start or challenge to start right now is the Seattle Seahawks, the Carolina Panthers. You've now drafted a quarterback and also brought in Baker Mayfield, Indianapolis Colts have quarterbacks. So everyone has filled all of these spots.
1: Ryan Clark on NFL Live. And Gordon, you know what that translates into? You hold on to him and, which is terrible, but you, you wait until somebody's quarterback gets hurt in camp. And then you play. Let's make a deal.
0: Yeah, I guess you know the thing is with the NFL right now, it seems like competent quarterback play. It's never been easier to kind of find competent quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So the market at this time is kind of um, uh, is kind of it, it's not in the the Niners' favor, right? I mean, it seems like everybody's kind of it's like musical chairs, and everybody's found a chair. Yeah, and, and I would say that like out of all the quarterback situations. Where I'm a little leery about it going in, if Joey, uh, if uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was not already on the 49ers, he would be a good team to get traded to the 49ers, because <laughs> it doesn't feel right. like that they're all that set, even with uh, the kid they took in the draft a couple of years ago. Yeah, Trey Lance, yeah. Trey Lance, yeah. yeah but, I, but so what's What says to me? Why does he have to go? Well, I don't know what is, con- you know, what is the contract? How much are they paying him? But even if they did get rid of him. It's not like they can use that money anywhere right now. Yeah, so, true. yeah, I would think that that would be their best move to just kind of hold on to hold them on and to hope him. that something, something breaks because, as he said there, Seattle's really the only team that would make really any sense. Why? You don't trust Geno Smith? Watch that team up and down the field up there? And see well, it? look, uh, to me, I would think that Seattle, with two first-round picks next year, you know, if you're ever going to have a bad year, this would be the year it's to have a year. bad year.
1: <laughs> That's for sure. There's no question about that. There's no question about it. Uh, and, of course, tomorrow night, Gordon, we'll uh, have Rich Cimini join us. We'll talk a little Jets, talk a little Miami Dolphins, obviously. And we'll pick about pick apart uh, that AFC, that division, which is, gosh, Gordon, that AFC is going to be what, it's one of the toughest divisions in football from the, the top three. That's one of the toughest divisions in football. When you talk about what's going on with New England, because you always with Belichick there, you always know you're you're going to be in the in dogfight, and he's going to prepare his guy because they don't beat themselves, so they're in every game. Buffalo is Buffalo, and listen with with what Miami's done with Tyreek Hill and made some adjustments. The, that that that's a tough team as well.
0: They have some talent. They have some pieces. We'll see if it. Uh, you know, they've had some pieces before. This is generally. I don't know if it's it, it's hit critical mass just yet, but this is generally the time of year where people look at the at the Patriots roster, and they'll say, you know, what, this roster, it's mm-hmm. not really all that good. Right. Yeah, it's not all that much talent. You know what? Maybe mm-hmm. the Patriots are going to have a down year. Right. And then we get sure. into the season, and uh, they start winning some games. And, and sometimes even in September, they're a little shaky early on, uh-huh. but then they start to figure some things out because they, they still got the guy, man. They, he, they got the guy that can take his and beat yours, and he can take yours and beat his. So that's, that's a good power to
1: have. No question about it. Like I said, until you drive us, stick through the heart, then I'll believe that the Patriots are done. <laughs> So, Gordon, this, this song is the opposite of you because you're always bringing people together. Yeah. This song would be me. Always going to be starting something.
0: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Hour
1: number two, Monday Night Edition of the show. Thanks for joining us at 1-800-919-3776. Also on Twitter, at hardest, the ESPN at NY 98 underscore 7. We did a little football last night. We'll come back and talk some baseball. But Gordon, before we do that... Um, how have you how have you been surviving this weekend? Gordon, it's been hot. I, mean, I, I love the heat. Like, no,
0: I love oh, I This is what Lord. I wait all year for, Larry. It can never be too hot for me. I love oh. it. I love the sweat. I, I soak it up. Uh, I soak up the sun, and it, it gets me through the northeast winters. And uh, when I'm out there shoveling snow or... Or uh, you know spreading the rock salt on the path, i 'll think back to days like this where it's it's uh, blindingly hot, and you know my wife and I will take a little walk after dinner. she 's like, "How can you walk? I, no, give, me, give I'll take it all day, all day long, Larry. Give it to wow. me all day long. I love it.:
1: That is not Larry. <laughs> Larry, Larry was like, "I'm gonna date myself." You're melting, right? I'm like the Wicked Witch in the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> my, uh,
0: I'm melting,
1: my pretty. That was yeah. me. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh man, I was struggling out there. And Gordon, I looked at this and said, "Huh, lawn needs cutting. Not well,
0: today. <laughs> well, just don't water it. It'll die. You know what I mean? That's that's what you do, Larry.
1: <laughs> no, that's not an option." No, not an, right. I'm, no, I can't do that. Can't do that. So, Gordon, I was uh, checking out because we were talking a little bit about what's going to happen with the second-half teams, and that's why I want the uh, Mets and Yankee fans to join us, what their thoughts are. Who who do they see as the biggest person they want added to their teams, right? Yankee fans, who do you want to see as a person that's added other than Soto? And, <laughs> and Mets fans, who do you want to see? as the biggest person added to your team at 1-800-919-3776. But, Gordon, um, John Heyman of the Post a couple of days ago was talking about, uh, you know, the Luis Castillo
0: mm-hmm.
1: from Cincinnati. I, th- I think you might you might like him.
0: Yeah, yeah that and would be a nice might. piece, sure.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and already the Yankees have said they were not going to part with Volpe or Peraza, which – is okay because that's what they said about Matt Olson. So at least they're consistent, right? Yep. But what will they part with? That's going to be the question. And yeah, how bad I'm, do you want him?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's what it really gets down to, right? And that's what you say in a negotiation. I'm not giving up this. I'm not I'm not giving up this no matter what. Uh, here, here's the thing, right? Peraza and, and Volpe are both shortstops. Now, if you play shortstop in the minors, you could obviously move to other positions. So it, it's not 100%, but... They're not going to both play shortstop for the Yankees. I can tell you that much for uh-huh, sure. Uh-huh. So at some point, you know, as great as all these prospects are, and think about just a couple of years ago. Remember Davy Garcia? Oh, yeah. Davy Garcia! Oh, Davy Garcia yeah. started a playoff game for the Yankees, and and I don't think we've seen Davy Garcia really since. I, I, maybe he's had a little cup of coffee here or there, but uh, yeah, I mean, we really haven't seen him. So what was he? The next Pedro? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like oh, a yeah, yeah, Pe- you know, build, like If you Pedro. had a dollar for every time you heard this guy was going to be I, the I, next I, Pedro, Larry, it's it's a, you would be a rich man. You would be a rich I, I, man.
1: I'd be I'd be doing promo code Gordon with that money. <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> that would be doing. It'd be, it'd be like that Mega Millions jackpot or something, you know. So um, yeah, yeah. I, look, these prospects are here to yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure there are some prospects within the Yankee organization that they have identified and said, no, this is this is someone who is going to be here long term." but I'm old enough to have remembered Nick Johnson. I'm old enough to remember Drew Henson. I'm old enough to remember Bam Bam mulins I'm oh, old man. enough to remember all these guys wow. that were going to be the next star about the Yankees, and uh, they never turned out to be the star of the Yankees. So uh, we shall see. And, and it almost feels like a lot of times the guys you don't hear about who come up, mm-hmm. I don't remember ever hearing anything really about Andy Pettit until he came up, and then yeah. all of a sudden Andy Pettit was sensational. So yeah. – You know, sometimes you, it's almost like fans, the more you hear a guy's name mentioned, you think that he's a better prospect because of it. Like Estevan Florial, right? Like the Yankees have been screaming out for an outfielder for all season. We have not seen Estevan Florial. So I, I would think that the Yankees really don't believe in Estevan Florial long term. Uh, so it would not surprise me if if there's some names that the Yankees say, "Oh no, we're not going to trade this guy," and they end up getting traded at some point.
1: Yeah, I agree with you because it it depends on need, right? If if, if you need this person and you have a surplus at a position, that's what you're going to do. You're going to trade that and you're right. You've got two you got two guys who can play shortstop. Well, guess what? One of them is probably taking some some uh some work, working out playing second base. <laughs> also or third base. You never know. Because, listen, your prospects, the more, they, the more positions they can play, the more
0: valuable they are, not only to you, but if you want to move on and trade them. And, and here's the thing. These players might turn out to be some great players, you know, some really solid major league players for the mm-hmm. next 10, 12 years. Maybe yes. that's the case. But that's not the goal, man. The goal no. is not to have somebody play a, a good player for the next 10, 12 years. The goal is to win a World Series. So if you need to move a couple of these guys to to go out and, and get something big that's going to put you over the top, well, then you have to do it. If not this year, when? Yeah. When yeah. would you ever do it? Got to do it this year because
1: you, you you have to win the World Series, Gordon. No, I mean, there's no question about you it.: you have to win the, you're 105 games over 500. <laughs> right. You're 110 games in, uh, between you and everybody else in the league. I mean, with the exception of Houston, I mean, if you don't win the, this is you talk about a, you talk about how I felt about not losing not just losing the division. I mean, if you don't get to the World Series Gordon,
0: how? if you and, lose to the Astros again? If you lose to the Astros again, do you realize what Brian Cashman is going to be in for? Now, maybe Brian Cashman doesn't care. Maybe the Yankees don't care about what the, what the talk is on Sports Talk Radio. They've been getting flamed all year about, you know, little losing streaks here or there. Or even when they played as well as they have. The fan base has been more focused on, well, it doesn't matter because you got to go beat the Astros or they've been focused on the the, the struggles of Joey Gallo or Raldis yeah. Chapman or this one yeah. or that one. So no, I mean, they, they gotta, they gotta get over the hump. There's no question about it. Is that,
1: does that constitute the change in personnel? Does that constitute to the change in management? Does that constitute where we got to look at the manager? We got to look at how did we lose? We were, look what we did during the regular season. And again, again in the postseason we don't get to where we're go not that I'm just, just for just for conversation Gordon I'm not trying to wish anything on on the Yankees or anything but I'm saying I mean you know Girardi lost his job yep and and boom listen he's had he's had great regular seasons and he's on pace to have another over 100 win regular season but Gordon is it's, it's the playoffs that matter it's the postseason that matters. And and with as great, as dominant as that team has been, I mean, even the 98 team felt the pressure. God, if we don't win the World Series with what we've done, what? it's it's a lost season. Oh, as crazy well, as that would be. Sure, I'm sure as crazy when they as that were sounds. down in
0: that series against the Indians, I'm oh, sure that they were feeling the pressure. They were sweating. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, I, you know, I, I don't know if uh, what it would take, um, but uh, I mean, I'll tell you, if if... The Yankees don't get past the Astros or don't win the World Series this year. And lose Judge. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Forget it. It will be – I mean, oh, oh, you man. know what? It's almost better for Judge, in a way, if the Yankees lose and don't win the World Series. Because then his price tag goes up in some True. way. Like, you can't lose in the playoffs and lose Judge. At that yeah. point, he will almost be able to write a blank check.
1: Wow. That's scary to think about, but the years that he's going to want, and right. that's the big question. Gordon is how many years he wants, and it's funny because we don't know what he wants. No, like, we don't know I, we he out wants. here don't know what the Yankees know, right. but yeah. we don't know what he wants. And and for I've always felt that it's not going to be the money that's going to hurt them. It's going to be the years. That, that that's just my feeling. They they will spend the money to keep him, but if, if the years they're going to be concerned about the years, that's going to be the stumbling block for them
0: yeah I could see that. and you you know you mentioned about it, would Cashman be in trouble at that point? if he wasn't not, if he was not in trouble last year and it didn't seem like he was of losing his job, mm-hmm. you know, the thing that he'll go back to is, well, look, I built this amazing team during the regular season. And it almost feels like, and I know some callers bring it up from time to time, you know, there was always a conversation, like, who was the fifth Beatle? Was it George Martin that was the fifth <laughs> Beatle? Was it Brian Epstein that was the fifth Beatle? It almost feels like Cashman's like the fifth, I don't know how many Steinbrenner kids there are, but he, he was almost like the fifth Steinbrenner kid at this point. Like, he is a job for life, it seems like.
1: Yeah, it's true. It's true. But I'm just saying, listen, he's put together a heck of a team. This team has done extremely well. Oh, but incredible. Gordon.
0: Against, you know, and there's not i – I don't care what anybody tells you. Nobody thought that, no. that, that it was going to be like this. No. Uh-uh. No. Not like, like this. this. Not like this.
1: <laughs> no. You're almost 40 games over 500, Gordon. Uh,
0: it's crazy. I mean, they they've done an amazing job. I mean, even despite the little skid there they hit before the All-Star break. They have been ridiculously good. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.